Welcome to the Assembly of Silence Radio Hour. Okay. Well, I can hear myself. Okay. <laughs> Miracle. Microphones and headphones. It's amazing. It is still amazing, even though we're talking about what 1930s technology, something, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> it still fascinates me to this day, of 2019. So maybe we should just pretend that this is completely normal and not even do any introductory remarks. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck it. Seems like we've always been here. <laughs> That's right, folks. Judah's back. I am back. So, um, from a long hiatus here, but not too long. No. We missed you while you were gone, but we've managed to fill it with some interesting. Have you been listening to the podcast? I have not. No, <laughs> of course not. I'm not surprised. I knew the answer to that before I asked it. <laughs> Although I've looked at it, I, I've looked good, at it. Yeah, because podcasts are really awesome visually. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I saw. I saw the that you had an interview with um, the guy, a uh, guy with the bikes. Bikes. Is yeah, it bikes? he has is a bike. Thing? Is well, no, his thing. His thing is nomadic life. Nomadic life. Yes. Yeah. And uh, what's his name again? Colin. Colin. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, we're probably going to be doing some more. Uh-huh. It's been. Uh, Really interesting speaking with him, and uh, I like his videos. They're they're fun. They're very personable, very uh, uh, forward looking, and uh, and he's always got a nice nugget of information. And it's also kind of calm. You know, most mm. videos are kind of agitating. You know, they right. they enervate. I'm mm. talking about the the um, nutritional aspect of what it is <laughs> that you take in vibrationally and. Uh, in the media and emotionally from the people around you and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. I find his videos really calming and soothing, mm. pleasant, you know, pleasant. To, and I'm really into that now. I want to, if I'm going to consume media, which I want to do less and less, I'd like it to be relatively calming. Yeah. You know, yeah. even if it's talking about what a disaster the world is. I mean, I think that's really what we need is a, is a channel that provides information in a very calm kind of, neutral way yeah and um well it's a really mature approach actually which is why we just don't see it out there very much exactly <laughs> exactly and, and there's no no time to develop into maturity now it seems like right. that's really what's happened everyone's gotten so wrapped up in all kinds of stuff yeah. that you know the process of maturation has been sidelined for right. for what for the the desperate effort to try to stay alive in this world and keep yourself entertained. Yeah, you know, um, I noticed you read the uh, Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, and I did listen to the first one of that. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't get to the second one, but okay, well, um, it's there for you when you want. I it. know, I'm ready. <laughs> but you know, one of the things that Patanjali does talk about is uh, the equanimity of emotions, right? Mm-hmm. And how that's the pursuit to neither fly. You know, to well, let's see, to neither be on the peak or in the valley. Right. Uh, one analogy I heard from a Swami Satchidananda who has a, a, a transliteration of the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. He says, hmm. well, you want to be like an eagle soaring over the peaks and the valleys. Mm, that's interesting. You want to you want to have that equanimity of emotions. You know, Rudolf Steiner says you want the, your nose to be as good as your yeses. Right. So, can you take a no? 
as good as you can. Yes, meaning can you just can you just take it all as it is? Mm-hmm. I was reading. I'm in the middle of a book right now called The Pilgrimage of A Pilgrimage to the Mother, and it's about this woman Alakanandama. She has a Ayurvedic school in Boulder, Colorado. And she's a medical doctor who became an Ayurvedic doctor. But when she was in her late 20s, she took a pilgrimage to India and met her guru, who this man, Raghudas. And he says, the greatest city or the greatest power, city, S-I-D-D-H-I, which is mm-hmm. power, right? Mm-hmm. The greatest city is to accept whatever comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that fits in beautifully with the, the Taoist tradition, too, because... We don't know what it is. Right. When we perceive it, we have an impression uh, cognitively and emotionally, you could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the sense gives us a bias kind of inherent because of our particular perspective. But ultimately, we really don't know what the, uh, the ultimate outcome will be. So, yeah, I mean, in, in, the, um, in the West, you might say uh, taking your blows, something along those lines, you mm-hmm. know. It's a little bit more of like a toughness, I think, attitude than what's being described in the in the tradition that you're referring to, and and the equanimity kind yeah. of style. But there is a relationship there, you mm-hmm. know, where you're in kind of impassive in the face of what appears to be, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, the eagle thing is interesting too, because there's an interesting five element exercise where the uh, each element is associated with an animal, mm-hmm. and the animal associated with uh, metal is the eagle, oh. and metal is the kind of organiz- organizational element. It's where everything kind of gets placed into a structure, mm. and that structure is what kind of provides the context for the next generation of flow. And so, it's an analytical pos- position that allows one to take things uh, with equanimity. Because you're detaching yourself from the phenomena to a certain extent, which requires a little bit of distancing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Space between stimulus and response. Which requires that the, the observer observe themselves. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Notice what is arising in, your, in one's thought life and in one's emotional life. Mm-hmm. And before, before responding to any of that, just give, taking that pause, taking a breath. Mm-hmm. Breath, I find, is the best way to create space between stimulus and response. But it's also an analytical understanding. So yes. the story yes. of the farmer, right? Um, another kind of classic Taoist Chinese tradition where the farmer is presented with these various apparently negative events. <laughs> and each time he responds by saying, maybe yes, maybe no. Like his son falls off a horse and breaks his leg. And everyone in the village is like, what a tragedy, and he says, well, maybe yes, maybe no. <laughs> then the next thing you know, the army comes through and they take all the young men who are capable of battle and take them off to war, except for the farmer's young son, <laughs> because his leg is broken. And everyone in the village is like, what great fortune. And the yeah. farmer's like, well, maybe yes, maybe no. <laughs> and it just goes on and on like that. Yeah. And yeah. that is life. Right. You know, we really don't know what the secondary, tertiary, all the various things down the line consequences are of each. And it's in knowing that we don't know. Right. Right. That gives <laughs> us that capacity to, to maintain a degree of detachment in the face of unremitting <laughs> calamity. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. in the face of 
something which appears to be a really great thing, a right. great opportunity, wonderful time, etc. Right. You know, um, you know, I just had a, a lecture around this time last year. Uh, uh, Dennis Klocek, who you know I'm mm-hmm. really interested in, and he gave a def- definition of the word pious. Hmm. And he said, pious is, uh, I know that I don't know, but I know that when I need to know, I'll know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's faith. Right? Yeah, that's right? faith. <laughs> and that requires equanimity of emotions and uh, analyzing one's own mental uh, perturbations and you know, emotional life and being able to have that, that capacity to... Well, actually, I would say a little differently. I'd say it's not analyzing the mental perturbations. The analysis is in the... Maybe awareness of... Yeah, I, I would say, but the, an awareness of the, um, of the insignificance right. of the perturbations. Yeah, right, right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah the, and, truly. And so the analysis is like through past experience, mm-hmm. getting to the point where you're going to say, eh... <laughs> I, I don't really need to go for that ride. Right. 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 So how do we square this with, <laughs> you know, some of the, w- some of the stuff that you're really an advocate for, like, you know, the heartfelt, like mm. really getting into what it is that I'm feeling. Like this is something that's actually come up in another uh, episode recently. For those of you who are uh, um, still following along sequentially, uh, in the last episode, we discussed the degree to which emotions can be considered to be real. Mm. And mm-hmm. um, my my take on it has been that, well, yes, of course, the fact of the emotion is real. So you are experiencing sensation. Yeah. But the significance that appears to be linked to that sensation is definitely in the I don't know realm. Maybe yes, maybe no. You know, it's not a clear correspondence to what we think it may be. So that that also gets to the the idea that emotions are best sort of subsumed and basically non-existent in the in the Chinese way of looking at things. Uh, a healthy person doesn't really manifest a lot of emotion. Emotion is basically a um, an artifact of some kind of an imbalance. Mm. Mm-hmm. And in, in the five element system, they associate a particular type of emotion with each element. And you can kind of tell that like mm-hmm. an angry person has a liver dysfunction. Right, right, right. right. And grief is, uh, is metal. Mm-hmm. So too much structure when you're trapped inside of, of a box mm-hmm. and you can't get out. It's kind of a grief thing, mm-hmm. right? And, and that box could be the prison of previous events in your life. Right, mm-hmm. like the sadness of the history of right. family, of culture, of civilization, all the various things that can lead people into being trapped by their past. <clears throat> and in, in the case of uh, of water, it would be fear. Mm-hmm. And and it, and it doesn't go with just negative emotions as well. I know that there's talk of um, uh, excessive positive emotion as well. Yep. In fire, they call it joy. Joy is the indication of an imbalance of fire. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes in in, uh, in the transliteration, they'll say joy, and then in parentheses, they'll go plus minus. Mm. You know, so right. it's it, like, like maybe the mania thing is also a fire imbalance, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not. And this doesn't mean to be emotionless. I don't think. I don't think it's calling to be emotionless. Well, the, but the, I think balanced in our yeah, and, and, well, and to not have. And I, well, let me just say this: and it's not a way. It's, I don't think this is to say don't have feelings. 
We're going to have feelings. It's it's. Uh, can I feel the feeling without having a reaction? Without it ruling you. Without ruling me. Yeah, exactly. Without being right? ruled by a feeling is a sign. It's an indicator. Exactly. It points me to something. Yes. And, and so I was um, just went through a a um, a, uh, a communication training a few weeks ago with a friend of mine, and uh, he did it for our clinic. And uh, he calls it compassionate communication. It comes from the line of Marshall Rosenberg's nonviolent communication, hmm. and and I find this to be, this is something I've worked with for know, about seven years now. And, um, and I find it to be inc- really valuable because what it teaches is how to identify what I'm feeling and then use that feeling to lead me to my needs. And usually feelings can be um, can lead us to either met or unmet needs. Okay, so this feels to me like it slips back into that uh, blurry territory where, um, you know, because our needs are, are pretty simple. And well, in some respects, they depend upon the orientation. If the orientation is to maintain physical existence, then the needs are well, to maintain the body. Well, I think we have, I think we have, I think there's some universal human needs, like um, in order to feel truly fulfilled, like, you know, we need, say, a sense of, um, we need to be fed. We need to have water. We need to have. Okay, so that's we a, need to have housing, so right? We need to have uh, some well, clothes. Some people on don't need some, to have housing. Well, well some people maybe are, some shelter. Some, some but, shel- let's say shelter from mm-hmm. the storms, right? Um, uh, I think that you know that we could go on and on about a list of needs, and and, and we could split hairs on all of this. But I, I, I'm a real fan of, of getting to know what my needs are in life and in relationships and in work environments and also I have I have needs that come with me mm-hmm. right um, in a partnership I need mutuality mm-hmm. I need reciprocity right. I need trust I need respect I need um, uh, a sense well, of safety. And where, where do we draw the line between well, need and want? Well, no, I, 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 I think I think these are actual needs for for me when I look at it, and I could pull out the whole list of needs. But let me just come around to this: is that if I have a certain set of needs uh, for in my, well, let me just say this: the way that Marshall Rosenberg came up with this list of needs was that he traveled all around the world and he interviewed people from different cultures from all around the world. And ask them what their what their what are your needs in life, mm-hmm. and based on all the information he gathered from all these cultures around the world, he came up with this list of uni- what he calls universal human needs. Well, I mean that list is is only valuable to the extent that there's a clear di- uh, distinction between need and want, because a lot of people so, feel like they need something that they just really want. Yeah, and I think there's valid needs too. I think there's well. That's I what I'm saying. That we, we need valid. to kind of talk about yeah. what that overlap is because there, there's a blurry finish. zone. Well, in you're, there. Yeah, but let me finish my point here. Let me finish <laughs> the point. And the point is this: is that if I have if I have certain needs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, say I, I have a need for mutuality in a relationship uh, and reciprocity, uh, and that need isn't being met, that's going to trigger certain feelings. Right. Well, it's it going to trigger. It's going to. Yeah. No. It, it's going to. It's no, not that no, it no, might. No, no, it's no. not that it might. No. 
No, no, no. I disagree with this because if you, if you, the if basic you let practice, you, you need to let, please let me. Let me finish. Let me finish my point. Let me finish my. Tell you what, then. Let stream. me know when you're finished. Yeah, because all I want to do is finish my thoughts. <laughs> finish your <laughs> thought stream, then. Damn it. <laughs> Just let me get through the thought stream. Get that so, thought stream out, dude. So, so it, it's going to stimulate a feeling. Well, it, it could be something like um, frustration. It could be something like um, a feeling of. Um, it could be some sort of fear, anxiety based emotion. It could be some sort of anger, frustration emotion. Anything that falls into that category. But if if, if I'm not getting a recipro a, a a reciprocal experience in my relationship, say like I'm giving, 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 and the other person isn't giving anything back in return, that might lead to a feeling of of resentment it might be lead to a feeling of um of anger or frustration right in my experience in this relationship and then that you know if i'm not aware of that like if i don't see like oh i have this need for mutuality and reciprocity and it's not being met so that's why i'm feeling this anger and frustration well my story in my head of, around whatever's happening could really run wild and so this gives me an opportunity to like really be clear of like, oh, I'm feeling anger and frustration because my need for mutuality or reciprocity isn't being met. Now that I know that, I can make a really clear request. Hey, I'm noticing that um, I'm not experiencing uh, a mutuality in this relationship. Do you think you would be willing to? And then, you know, whatever my request might be, meet me in these ways can you do that? And that person can say yes or no, right? But I at least become clear that my feeling is attached to a particular need. And in my direct experience of working with this material, it has really allowed for the calming down of my emotional life, that it doesn't carry me away because I can see where it's pointing to. And when I can see, oh, I see this is what's going on with me. Now I'm educated about what's really happening inside of me and I don't get carried away by it or ruled by it or controlled by it. And that's the, that's the point that, like for me, that's the, the benefit of, of knowing what my needs are and how it's attached to feeling, to my feeling life. Yeah. Now you can go. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. That, I, I just wanted to get that out there. I got you. <laughs> so let, let's talk about that, that kind of interface between the need and want area. So in the, in the purest form of what's being put forth by Patanjali and, and others in that domain, when um, sensory information occurs, you neutralize it. Mm-hmm. Right, so so that basically all of the associations with it, you're freed from them. Right, right. So that, as a basic kind of technique and distancing approach, can be applied to any circumstance, including whatever it is that we're dealing with in relation to others. Right. So let's say, just for one example, that we're in a worst case situation, like you get thrown into jail and you're dealing with a cellmate 
who doesn't give a shit about how you feel about anything. Right, right. right? There's certain situations so, where that what I just said is uh, does not apply, obviously. So then that's why I'm saying need versus want. I think there's, yeah, of course, we would prefer to be in a relationship with someone who is willing to go both ways. And I'm very familiar with the frustrations of relationships where you don't get that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's... That's my family, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's annoying and and the question of well, do I want to participate in this relationship is really a primary, you know, and and it's like, well, yeah. given an option, less and less, you know? So that makes that makes perfect sense, but in the in the context of the kind of discipline that we're talking about, uh spiritually, the things that I find annoying at, to my individuated self are fundamentally insignificant when I'm practicing the universal self, cancellation of thought objects, simply staying with isness, just being. Mm-hmm. And like the phenomena and interpretation of it all recedes into the background. So kind of comes down to, okay, well, is there a time when it's, appropriate to return to the individuated self and get all wrapped up in the drama of life you know the kind of yin convergence is what how they refer to that in the Taoist canon and you know and you could say like uh uh i can't remember how they refer to it but it's basically like the the um Bodhisattva are the ones who come back to this life to re-engage in it and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, in an effort to, you know, Keep moving and, humanity forward. Yeah, which yeah. you know, it's like, is that really what's going on? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not convinced, but you know, maybe it is. It's certainly possible. Well, but then there's those, also the what would the effect be if those people weren't on the planet? Well, there's that, you know, and then there's also like, well, how, to what extent do they get drawn back into the karmic drama of the individuated ego? You know, or are they separated from that, realizing very clearly what their purpose is, and just holding it down? Potentially, just I mean, holding it down. They—they're the only ones who could say, and maybe they won't be yeah. saying accurately. It's I, hard. Maybe they wouldn't say. Maybe they wouldn't say. Because yeah. <laughs> you know, because say, that's saying those who know don't say, yeah. and those who don't know say. <laughs> Silence moment than that. This is why. What are we talking? Why are we talking? You know, there's the the acronym WAIT. Why am I talking? (laughs) (laughs) See, this is the kind of question that just kills a podcast, right? Mm -hmm. But that's why we put it in in the actual name of the podcast because it is the fundamental question. It is. But, you know, without the talk, would we have ever gotten to the point where we would have the analytical distance to do the practice? Right. And if we don't offer it to others and just keep it to ourselves and don't work out the kinks and kind of argue, because we obviously don't agree about everything, right? We don't right? agree about a whole lot. So it's like, <laughs> we're, we're gonna, not going to stop talking about this shit until we agree. Once you and I agree on everything, this podcast uh, this is, is over. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I I, I um, co-facilitated a um, 
meditation group yesterday mm. and um, I didn't I, I didn't co-facilitate I facilitate I, I do this with my friend Michael once or twice a month and mm-hmm. and he asked me to lead it and a few weeks ago and I was like sure but I was like I have no idea what I'm going to talk about <laughs> I have no idea what I'm going to lead the best way. that's the right. best way to go in exactly well we were sitting and we do a check-in we do an initial check-in everybody checks in how they're doing how they're feeling you know what's up for them was real in their life right now. And as people went around, I realized the topic came to me and it's something that comes out of the Upanishads and I don't remember which one, but it says, um, wise is the one who sees the inaction of action and the action in inaction. Yeah, that's right. That's very Taoist. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so that was our topic yesterday. And it just reminds me of like the, you know, the one who knows doesn't say and the one who says doesn't know. Mm-hmm. You know, there's real action in inaction. And I think that goes with what we're saying here about about um, not reacting to our emotional life or being able to create that distance between our emotional life and, and response. There's in by not responding, by not engaging, by not being ruled by emo- my emotions, that's inaction, but that's action. There's a real will force in that. That's true, but there's also the the kind of lurking reality that um, to have a rule that would simply say "don't act" is not that inaction. Right. That that would be like a dogma that would cover over the reality of the each circumstance. Because I don't think he's saying. I don't think it's saying "don't act in any situation," but it's it's saying you know. Well, don't don't get carried away by an emotional sensation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It seems like a pretty good, you know. But there may be moments where that's exactly what you need to do. You know, like perhaps it, in a it, time of grief, right? Or right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. grieving yeah. is really crucial, right? Um, right. Cele- uh, celebration is on the other side of the coin of mourning sometimes. So you could say that it may be that that type of thing can be misapplied right. when it becomes ideological. Right. You know, and you I, could explain why some uh, cultural traditions get um, uh, instantiated because there's a wisdom to it. But if it's uh, a hard and fast rule, it kind of eliminates the wisdom because the wisdom is very much according to the moment. Right. 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 Yeah, I think it's definitely a, uh, it's, this is a um, moment by moment, you know, kind of rule. It's not like a hard and fast rule. It's like, you know, there's a time for action, obviously. Um, right. And, and uh, there's also a time for inaction. Um, and then, you know, there's the particularly risk. around like habitual responses. Right. It seems like fundamentally the way doesn't have an analytical structure to it, mm-hmm. right? Right. But it's helpful to have an analytical mind to help relieve yourself from the the ways that are not the way. Right. The, the nature of it can appear very uh, inconsistent and wishy-washy, mm. potentially. Mm-hmm. But... Since in most situations nothing needs to be done, there's a consistency in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would say there's there's more call for inaction than action most of the time. Exactly. My way of thinking of that has been you could kind of put it into scientific terms. You know, if you have a chaotic system, 
where there's already too many moving parts and too much confusion and noise, then everything, every gesture and every signal generated just becomes more chaos and more confusion, right? Mm-hmm. So again, another reason why we shouldn't be doing this podcast. Right. Just putting more out there. Just more noise out there. More confusion and chaos. Although, you know, so this is what I brought well, to the this is this was what I brought to the group yesterday was exactly that is that I have this whole body of material that I'm creating and I want to release it out into the world and I know there's a lot of people I can really help with it and at the same time there's so many quote experts out there right now and I'm just one more person putting shit out into the world and you know but you know human beings are are creative beings and that's my my outlet of creativity is is my work around nutrition and heart math and mm-hmm. and um, um, you know sensory nutrition and blending that all together as a nutrition and lifestyle coach and heart math mentor and um, and and you know and somebody in the circle said hey you know what you know I hear I hear you like I hear your dilemma around like not wanting to put more out in the world because there's already so much out there and there's so much confusion but um, if you can help people. Do it without a doubt. You know, you know, and it may be that when it comes to that whole issue of creating more noise within the overall framework, mm-hmm. you're talking about something that kind of has a larger impact, like a, a, a large audience or something like that. And it may be that that's actually more where it becomes a problem, like this very low level signal where we're talking about small groups of, you know, like basically every time we do a podcast, we're doing it for a group of something like twenty. Right, right. So right. we have a, a, a group of twenty who are coming and hanging out with what we're doing here, and that's a nice number. Mm-hmm. And twenty is great, you know. If twenty people are getting something out of this, that's awesome. Like twenty people come to a workshop, that's not bad, you know. Right, right. Maybe you get to fifty, a hundred. That's nice too, you know. When you start to get to like ten, twenty thousand, one hundred and fifty thousand, a million. That's when you start to worry, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's when, yeah, yeah. I would, I would definitely be concerned at, at that level. Although the financial rewards of that, I, I, I mean, would be really nice. And well, at the same time, would it be worth my soul? <laughs> I don't know. There you go, the devil's bargain in a nutshell, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. May we all be fortunate enough to somehow or another squeak by without having to actually make that that choice. Yeah, to sell sell my soul for <laughs> fame and popularity, which you know. That's the that's the death of of people's ability just to live a normal life. Yeah, you know. No, I, I couldn't think imagine. It's, it's a very difficult thing to turn down too, yeah. and it seems like once you've agreed, then you're there's no way out. Right. Really. Right. right. So a uh, tricky thing. Very tricky thing. Well, somehow or another, <laughs> we've we've done thirty minutes here, and we didn't even get to our topic. We had a topic. We had a topic. Yes. We did have a topic. Yes, a topic was could, given to us. We actually, <laughs> someone asked us to talk about something, and we did none of it. We haven't spoken a word about it yet. What kind of hosts are we? Well, that's really obvious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in the next episode, we are going to discuss a topic. Yes, that was given to us by one of our listeners. Right, and that topic was. Are we going to tell them now? Oh, yeah, we need to foreshadow for sure. It's about it's a question of whether or not conscious evolution is the way things really go. Conscious evolution of consciousness. Okay, okay. 
Okay. Right? Yeah, so the notion, yeah. so, so this person said the notion of conscious evolution of consciousness. Um, so, you know. All right. So we have to drill down into what that means first. I have some thoughts around that. Do we want to save that for the beginning of the next? So we have a coherent episode that's just about this? Let's do it. Yeah. Do we have anything else we need to say about now? Or like, what are we going to start talking about when I go to the next file? <laughs> Maybe we should just do that first. <laughs> Get it out of the way. You know, here's what I want to finish this okay. entire episode with. Everything we just talked about can be wrapped up in presence. Hmm. The ability to maintain presence hmm. presence to what is presence to what is happening in the moment as it's unfolding hmm. the isness okay i'm gonna challenge that <laughs> of course you are <laughs> <laughs> so the the operation necessary in order so if we just maintain presence and the presence is affected by the sensations that are coming in, mm-hmm. then, then we are potentially at the mercy of the ups and downs of our bias associations with those sensations. And the, the capacity for distancing ourselves, for having that ability to view our own experiential being is... I'm going to say, on one level, a separation from present back into the present. So you're kind of stepping away from the thing that you thought you were in that was real, you know, which if you had just stayed there, stayed with the present feeling, you would be there inside of it continually. But by stepping back and noticing, you're kind of going, oh, but wait, right? And that moment of distancing puts you into a new present where you're observing the phenomenon instead of being wrapped up inside of it. So there's an operation in the mind that requires that we notice, and noticing is something there you take a little slice of what was just happening, and then you're applying an understanding to it, right? Right. And so all those things are happening in a non-present moment. You know, it's, a, it's an operation in time, basically. <clears throat> it's a little operation in time. And it reframes and gives you an opportunity to experience the present when it, with a completely different view, you could say. Hmm. And that that continual process of reframing the present is, uh, it, like, that's what I think of as being the Taoist reversal. That's the returning to the baby. Hmm. Because if you continue that, then eventually you get to a point where the labeling that would occur to the phenomena that you would have been noticing is no longer a category. Where basically you're kind of like, oh, well, there's nothing left to notice. I've already neutralized all that shit, and I don't even notice the fact that I did that. Mm. But right? yeah, I think, yeah, we reap the rewards of our growth, and we don't even realize. We've God done willing. It. So that's another right. thing that Patanjali says: is yeah. that the, all, it, from henceforth all meditations rest on the foundation of the previous med- meditations. Right. Yeah. Like I notice in my life personally that that I mean, in, in, in the relationship that I'm in currently, where 
I'm seeing the, I'm reaping the rewards of the effort I've put into my personal growth and relationship. And I'm going, wow, okay. I'm seeing like, I'm seeing the results of, of my efforts. Right. Right now. Which, which runs the risk of slipping into joy. <laughs> well, it, it, you know, I, I was actually not from, I mean, I, that hasn't really come to my mind of like, oh, wow, this is great. Right. But it's been like, it's like a, a note, like in midst of a conversation, like, oh, I'll just get kind of like this awareness. Oh, wow. Uh huh. Okay. That, that went differently is, than yes, it would have. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. This is the, you know a, that was that was a noticeable difference. Well, that's and just that's God's gift to us that that you know if we if we choose the path mm-hmm. and walk it, mm-hmm. then you know nice mm-hmm. things happen. Or yeah. another way of saying is that terrible things are less likely to happen. Yeah, terrible things are definitely less likely to happen. Yeah. And I and I notice that. With presence for for me and my experience of 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 doing my best to maintain presence in any moment is that it does just help with uh, it's like a uh, hmm, how do I want to say it it's kind of like this this three hundred and sixty degree kind of experience of of um, uh, you know, being able to witness my emotions or my thoughts, not get swept away by them, stay present to what is what is unfolding, be aware of my breath, and then and to ride something through and be able to have the awareness of what the next right move is in any moment. And so, well, the, the that's, absolute presence is a unified state. Right, exactly. Right? And I'm not sure that you can say that within that that there's noticing happening. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, more like yeah. experiencing. Yeah, it, it, it's just, go, you know, there's like some sort of flow there. Yeah, it's flow just going, state that's... And that's like, so in trigram terms, that would be the trigram water, yang line in the center mm-hmm. position. Mm-hmm. So focal, focus of attention is on experience sensation, basically. Mm-hmm. You know? That needs to work in... In operation with, with fire, oh. in in the Taoist terms, they need to be inverted, mm. right? Where mm-hmm. in the ordinary individuated ego state, fire is above water, so the sensation is the root, and the cognitive thinking mind is kind of the objective, mm-hmm. right? But in the in order for it to function as the return to baby, kind of the 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 practice is to invert them. So that the root is the fire, which basically means the understanding of the practice, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's like the past mm-hmm. learning and the and the intention to maintain the practice into the future. That's why the bottom and top lines are young and the middle line is is broken because the middle line is receptive to whatever the phenomena is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then the top line, the, the top trigram is water. And in that case, it's the experience, so present, staying, right. goal is presence, right? Mm-hmm. And then the operator underneath it is fire. And then the, the image that they use is the cauldron because in order for a cauldron to boil what's in it, you need to have the fire underneath it, not on top. Right, right. And they say that that's actually why we get edema in the feet and get kind of hot-headed is because uh, we have it. Fires and, mm-hmm. The ego orient, orientation has right. fire above and water below. Right. So they become disharmonious and separate from each right. other. Right. Mm-hmm. Super interesting, poetic way of saying the yeah, same thing. Yeah, it really is. It's a beautiful image. It's a really beautiful image. 
I know with uh, with practicing heart math, um, what what happens is it, you tap into this this co this state of coherence, and that's where the mind and the heart and the emotions are all aligned and in sync with each other. And then the endocrine system syncs up, and then the immune system syncs up, and so you enter this energy efficient state. Mm-hmm. And it's just. Uh, and that's what I like to call a flow state. A flow state. That's mm-hmm. that's what I experience when I'm in the state of coherence. And and it and the practice of it is doing a heart centered breathing. So it's like I'm breathing in and out, and I'm feeling the breath stream in and out through my heart, as if my heart is the organ that's breathing. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I mean, the lungs are basically um, embracing the heart. Right. I could say. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there's a real connection there. And then by cultivating any kind of positive emotion, like the felt experience of gratitude mm-hmm. or compassion, um, you know, those are really powerful emotions to tap into. Um, and when the heart gets that experience for a sustained period of time, then it's just everything calms down. The vagus nerve gets uh, tonified, so you increase vagal nerve tone, which puts you into parasympathetic, and the brain just starts to bow to the heart, and it's like, you got, the heart's got this, okay. Mm. And so the mind starts to quiet down, and it just creates this, this like, bubble, this heart field that, I'm mm. o- that I've noticed that I'm operating in. Mm. And it's, in that, in, in that is, and there's a, a higher degree of presence for, in my experience. So that corresponds also with the Chinese concept of heart-mind, yeah. which is the integration of, of the cognitive and the sensory kind of as one. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. Beautiful. Well, I guess we covered that one. <laughs> I think that's, okay. that was a real... Assembly it just, of silence it just moment. came right out. I think that was a good moment. Oh, you want to do a little more? I, I think that Get was back like into. A, okay, here we are. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, throw us a bone by subscribing to this channel, visiting our social media pages, and hitting the various like, love, and clap buttons. We welcome all comments, criticisms, and random thoughts. Our email is silentassembly at protonmail.com. And if you want to be an angel, we have a Patreon page. We look forward to serving you again soon. In the meantime, remember, turn that thing over a few times before you pick it up and take it home. <laughs>